Welcome to the Millennial Falcon Podcast, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and today I'm only joined by one of my co-hosts. I am Anya Crittenden, a writer at Gay Star News. It's been a while since we've all been together, hasn't it? It's been a while. like a while. Don't worry, we're all going to be back together for next week's episode. It's our movie review, and we're all very excited as a little preview. But this week, it's just the two of us, Willoughby. It's just the two of us were jamming. Last last episode was me and HT. We were jamming, and uh, you know, it some computer issues, some traveling. It's all been, you know, it's the summer. Um, things are happening, and one day we will all return from the war. Uh, hopefully. Um, <laughs> so I don't know which war it is, but, but you know, what are speaking of wars and history and segues what are we talking about today that's a that's a great segue because the topic of our episode today um often finds its roots in history um so today we're going to be talking about the tv miniseries which is something that in recent years has gained a lot more popularity a lot more prominence um a lot more big name stars than in past years um and so we're going to be talking about just kind of the history of the miniseries, some of our favorites, and then we're also going to dive into how it functions at award shows, because that's when it really starts to come into play and can also stir up some controversy. So I will just say that the miniseries um, is probably like about a century old. It, it came in with the early storytelling, early TV, radio dramas. Um, it is very similar to how novels used to be published uh, in magazines, how like a novel would be published chapter by chapter in magazines. And so it wouldn't be published in its whole yet. Limited series or mini series. Similarly, it is intended to be a one season show of a certain amount of episodes that tell a closed story that has a beginning, middle and end and a conclusion um, and doesn't necessarily need another season. Um, that is and not been the case. I was going to yeah. say, sometimes those shows are so successful in ending their own story that the producers <laughs> of the, that show says, hey, why not a season two? Or in uh, some Netflix cases, why not a season three? Uh, yes, exactly. Um, and we will be getting into that um, when we start getting into more of the award show, because that's when it starts to become kind of controversial. Um, so More like... More like 26 reasons why. More like bigger, littler lies. I don't know what to say to that. Wait, is More it like, 13 reasons? Oh, 13, 26. Haha, you did It starts at 13. It already starts at 13. Did they do a season three? Was there, was there 39 reasons why? Uh, season three hasn't come out, but it might, because people apparently walk that show, even though it gets shit on all the time. I don't know. Um... Mm. So, brief history, I mentioned um, that they really kind of uh, got its inspiration from the novel as a serial, and then really started to root itself in radio productions of shows that would air, you know, an episode each week on the radio, but telling a singular linear story. And then as TV started to develop, um, the same structure of storytelling started finding its way onto television where each week it would be a new episode, but it would be the same storyline, the same characters. And after maybe six episodes, it would end and it would just be kind of a very long movie is the way a lot of people put miniseries. Um, right. Yeah. It's not and, super episodic. It's no, very serialized. Yes. Extremely serialized. Um, and in the U.S., the miniseries began finding its popularity in the 1970s, um, when uh, CBC and ABC put on some miniseries that became very popular um, and critically acclaimed. One of them was an adaptation of the Leon Uris novel QB7, which is actually one of my all-time favorite novels. Um, and from there, it just sort of continued to develop. Um, except, Willoughby, tell me, were you yes. sort of a big miniseries fan or limited series fan growing up when you were consuming media? No. Um, it's been a recent development because I think 
the idea of a miniseries to me perceptively always seemed like I wouldn't say like a history lesson but sort of like that where like I don't or like an adaptation of a novel I haven't read from 1872 where I just sort of don't I didn't care like I was just like I don't know it's only got it's only six episodes and it's on the HBO or it's on you know stars or something like I can't watch it so I'm not gonna bother like paying attention to these and then so and then recently my parents got a, like a HBO cable package and I was like oh well you know start watching some of these HBO miniseries and I watched like show me a hero which was really good um and you know, like, I think over time, I, I, and as I got more into, like, awards as, like, a concept and, like, would be like, oh, you know, what, what, what TV shows are critically acclaimed? A lot of, a lot of them recently with peak TV and quote-unquote, specifically quote-unquote prestige TV, like, the miniseries has become uh, something of a trend of, like, a, you know, like, a vehicle for, like, movie level cinematography and storytelling spread out over like long periods of time and so like now I'm sort of more into it but growing up I don't I don't think I was I think I wanted like you know cartoons weren't really miniseries and stuff like that uh I you know Dragon Ball Z had a lot of episodes um and American TV as we've discussed and as most people know uh goes on as long as that cash cow uh can produce some sort of money um and you know, so a lot of the TV shows I like go on for a long time, or sometimes they're canceled too quickly. But they're usually like the 22 episode season that is very episodic, with some sort of you know arc over the course of a se- season, and then the status quo is up up changed in the last second. And then you know, how do we get to season two? Well, here's how we do it. Whereas a miniseries is sort of it's very finalized, or at least that's the idea behind most miniseries is that they stop as after like a, a short amount of episodes. Like, I don't think you could consider a season of television that's 24 episodes that was intended to become a longer franchise, but only, you know, for some reason told a perfect story in one season and then it never got a season two, like in terms of like networks and stuff, you know, like ratings. Um, like you wouldn't consider Firefly to be a miniseries because that was right. intended to be a longer show, even though it only lasted like 12 episodes. Even though it sort of had um, become a miniseries. Yeah, like in, in terms of the fact that I think they made comic books, but in terms of like besides the movie, those are the only episodes that have ever been produced and it tells a story so like some some tv shows that are some tv shows uh end up becoming de facto miniseries but most of the time the ones that i grew up with were traditional television i guess um yeah so i am the complete opposite cool so i am a huge miniseries fan um and it stems from two things it stems from my love of adaptations of classic novels, <clears throat> which is often how many series exist is they and it's usually stuff like Jane Austen or the Bronte sisters or Russian novels. It's usually those very classic kind of European novels that get stories long enough to be adapted into longer episodes yes, instead of a movie. Yes. <laughs> um, and so I have seen countless miniseries like adaptations of classic novels that I genuinely love. I am a classic novel fan. I do not find them boring or stiff um and then the other part is that is my love of british television and my love of like british media so britain is kind of known for miniseries um long before the u.s came onto the scene and started dominating like the emmys for limited series um there were some rule changes in the 2010s at the emmys um and after those rule changes allowed more and more series to be eligible for the limited series uh, there was before then there was always at least one nominee from Great Britain in the limited series category and they won a lot of the time um, and a lot of the time they were period dramas adapted from novels and stuff but there were also miniseries like I think of the miniseries State of Play um, which also became an American movie but was first a British miniseries and and I love that miniseries. Um, so yeah, so my love of classic novels and my love of British TV kind of paved the way for me to be a miniseries fan uh, from childhood. And I consumed 
a lot of them growing up. Um, and I still very much am always on the ball of BBC's latest miniseries or Masterpiece Theater on PBS doing period drama miniseries. Um, like recently they just did Les Mis, not the musical, an adaptation of the book. Um, so yeah, so I love miniseries and I've watched a lot of them. Um, so, but you, Willoughby, so you have kind of come onto the scene as the miniseries has sort of gained a new role in Hollywood. Would you say that's correct? Yes. Okay. What have been some of your favorites in recent years? So I have to ask, Ooh. do you consider anthologies TV shows that take, that have a season arc about one story and then it goes on to a different story altogether in the in the next season do you consider that to be a limited series because the emmys do yeah no the emmys do um and i think that i do i think you know things like um all of ryan murphy like american horror story american crime story um feud yeah. a lot of ryan murphy stuff um i do because even though like, so now we've learned that American Horror Story, that it's one big connected universe. Despite that, every season of American Horror Story has, like, a like a set of characters, and it does tell a full story from beginning to end um, that, you know, ties up all its loose ends. And while some characters may appear in different seasons, um, they're usually much smaller roles, and the seasons themselves do tell do tell a complete story. And so I would say that yes, anthologies can be considered limited series um, because the stories they tell are limited to the one season. Awesome. What do you think? Cool. So, I agree. So in that case, uh, the OJ story, the uh, American crime story, OJ Simpson, is one of the best miniseries. I've seen in recent time. I think it's fantastic. Um, I recently watched Chernobyl, mm -hmm. uh, which is HBO's miniseries about the uh, Soviet Union nuclear reactor meltdown in, in Chernobyl in 1986. Um, it is a fascinating retelling of a story that I feel like we everyone knows, like on the cursory knowledge of like, oh yeah, there was a huge nuclear reactor meltdown. In, 19, in the 1980s in Soviet Russia, like covered it up. And what this story is that is is it's the story of how how it happened, the aftermath of how, how it happened, and how the government um, like you know uh, tried to cover it up. Um, yeah. And I think and so like HBO is really good with the miniseries. Like I feel like they're like if if Britain is known, it, you know, if BBC is known as like the the main output of, uh, of a lot of miniseries. I feel like HBO is sort of the American version of that. I feel like mm -hmm. because they have such capital to um, spend on miniseries and adapt novels and historical stories that, that um, I feel like networks don't really try to do very, yeah. very often. Um, they try to maximize their profits. Whereas I feel like with HBO, there's such, there's such clout with themselves that they're like, Oh, we'll tell the story of a local Yonkers mayor starring Oscar Isaac. And you know, that'll be it. You know, like we'll, it'll be done in five episodes. Show me a hero and, with so or six, It's, it's one of the, one, one of the more recent, better ones that yeah. I, you know, I, my, <laughs> my knowledge of miniseries is limited, but I will say that <laughs> Show Me a Hero is a very good one. Uh, Alfred Molina plays a really good, like, uh, corrupt businessman. Uh, and Oscar Isaac is really good at being, like, the mayor who's trying to do his best. Um, yeah, so I, I have not watched Sharp Objects yet. I need to. Um, you are, you watch Fargo? I've watched the first season and a half of Fargo. Because Fargo um, is I guess, an yeah, anthology, right? It's an anthology that takes place in the same universe. So season one, season two of Fargo is centered around the 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 father of one of the characters in season one. Okay. So it takes place in the 70s. And then Fargo season three, I think, still takes place in the same universe. But in the, in like the, in like the, or the modern time 
yeah. with like Ewan McGregor. Um, yeah, I, the, I, the first season won limited series at the Emmys in 2014, and then the subsequent seasons two and three were also nominated for limited series, did not win. But as we discussed, it's an anthology, so each season can separately be submitted as a limited series. Yeah, which is this really interesting uh, way of circumventing the traditional rules of a miniseries in that, you know, a season of a season of something is done and it's done. Um, Big Little Lies is the other one that I think it, it comes to mind just because it's also, uh, it's you know, it's airing its second season. Um, it is now, it's not an anthology, but I think they, have they just outright changed their category? Like is Big Little Lies going to go up for best TV drama so, now? So, okay, so. Limited series? Here's what I think is going to happen with Big Little Lies. Um, so we can just, let, let's just start diving into the Emmys um, since we've already sort of done that. Um, and like I said, rule changes have um, allowed more and more shows to be eligible for limited series. Um, when you look at something in like the early 2000s and like the 90s, um, um, a BBC adaptation of a, a Charles Dickens novel, Little Dorrit, won in 2009. It had a single other competitor. <laughs> There were two things up for limited series that year. When Band of Brothers won in 2002, it was one of four. Nowadays, we are seeing the category be filled out at five almost every year because the rules have changed. So the current the current rule for limited series is that the series must have two or more episodes with a total running time of at least 150 minutes. It must tell a complete non-recurring story and not have an ongoing storyline or main characters in subsequent seasons. Oh, okay. So Big Little Lies is no longer that. So, which is why anthologies are allowed, but which is why Big Little Lies going forward will be in the drama category. Now, for the first year Big Little Lies was up, it was up for limited series about the Golden Globes and the Emmys. It won at the Emmys. Um, And the problem, so the reason the whole controversy can be around these series is that Big Little Lies was nominated in limited series, but the award shows hadn't aired yet when HBO announced season two. So when oh, HBO really? submitted it as a limited series, it had not been renewed yet. So at that point, it still was just a limited series. It did tell a complete oh, story. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it told a complete story. It was a limited series by all intents and purposes. They submitted it as one. And then before the award shows aired and it won... Between that time period of nominations and winning, HBO announced season two. So then everyone was like all up in arms and they were like, it should be disqualified. It's not eligible, blah, blah, blah. Um, It it did remain, as I said, it won the Emmy um, and I think the Golden Globe and HBO defended its decision saying like, this was not malicious. It was not intentional. Like we hadn't decided yet whether or not we were going to renew it. It was still an ongoing conversation. So like when we submitted it was still a limited series as we knew it. And like, then we decided to renew it. So HBO kind of defended themselves. Um, I don't know if people are still upset about it, but I, I, I know I'm not really bothered by it. Like it um, ends perfectly. Like it ends as I don't, I haven't read the novel, but like the way it ends seems final. Like I know that season two is, was, has some hand, like hand helping from the author of the original book if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. um and i think it may have like her the like she might be co-writing the scripts but Mm -hmm. um but but like there's no big little lies second there's no second novel in the that they're adapting like it's just it's it's an original story Mm -hmm. based off the novel which is already like the first season which is already based off of a novel so it's very it's very, it's very, I wouldn't say controversial anymore, because, like, I mean, at the time it is, but I feel like if they had, if they had waited a week, or, like, even, like, you know, sometime after the Emmy win for Big Little Lies Season 1, and they would have been like, hey, we're, you know, we're renewing it for Season 2, I feel like people would have been like, oh, okay. But I think because right. they did it in that weird, ne- like, that time period bet- between yes. nomination and win, they're like, hey, we're cashing in on this. And everyone's like, no, you can't do that. Um, because I yeah. think it was the same year that there was a Game of Thrones season. I think season seven was coming out, 2017. Um, Big Little Lies won in 2017, yeah. 
Right. So the so season seven of Game of Thrones also aired that year. So I think they were trying to maybe maximize their wins because you can't I have mean, two seasons, seasons, two seasons of television win the same award. Right. So it makes sense for um, and yeah. So it, like your criteria or the criteria of what a limited series is definitely does, no longer fits, no longer applies to yeah. like thirteen reasons why. Or I'm trying to think if there's a couple other Netflix shows that did had that have done that recently. Where well, I, I mean, think similarly, um, people might not remember this, but actually the first season of Downton Abbey won limited series in 2011. No kidding. And it had how many seasons following that? A so, lot. And then now there's a movie. Yeah. So Downton Abbey, I, I think probably the same thing happened is that like when season one aired and stuff and when it was eligible, there was no season two yet. And it was just kind of that season one existed on its own um that was also before some of the rule changes so i don't know if season Mm -hmm. one would be like eligible now um but yeah it won in 2011 and then got numerous seasons following hey you know what was also a miniseries that was turned into an excellent um uh television sci-fi show that depicted um the horrors of war in space battlestar galactica you are Correct, sir. The first, the first two episodes of the show is the is a miniseries. Now each episode is nine minutes. Season one was gonna happen following that. I don't think they did because uh, I think they wanted to tell. I, I think I mean it obviously sets up a storyline that can continue, and obviously it did. But if I remember correctly, I think there was some time difference between when the miniseries aired and when the first episode aired 33 which is really funny because you really can't start without the miniseries so it really acts like a like a four-hour pilot that you have to watch to continue the rest of the show but i think i think when they aired it it because like if you watch if you go to hulu or amazon wherever it's streaming it's two separate entities so like you have to watch battlestar galactica the miniseries on one little like you know like the stream you click play on the miniseries and then you're done with the miniseries and then you have to back out and go to Battlestar Galactica the TV show so they didn't okay. like when you stream it you don't come they didn't combine all of them into one like long list of episodes like that you have to do both different so it's that's weird but like it, it's the same you know storyline same characters and whatnot um I so I think it's fascinating that you know miniseries the limited series is a very evolving platform. Yeah. Um, and th- I think that the rules are rigid until they're not. And then at that point, others, they're just not miniseries or, you know, like, you know, and you can consider an anthology series, a miniseries based on seasons, but I think as a whole, uh, like you can't, um, I'm trying to think of, you know, like, uh, all the American horror stories, like, Ryan Murphy has said that they're all in a connected universe, but they all have different characters, main characters each season. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, American Crime Stories is different stories of crimes. So I think that it's very interesting. And um, one one miniseries that we haven't talked about, which came out in May, uh, is Good Omens, which well, is not going to get a season two. I don't think so. No, but so, okay, so I wanted to bring up, um, I'm going to shelve Good Omens just for a second. Um, okay, put it back, put, put that book back on the shelf. Back on the bookshelf, sorry, right no game is Right next to American Gods and Stardust. <laughs> yes, exactly, um, and all his short story collections. Okay, so before we get into kind of like the current crop of miniseries, um, I just wanted to do a little shout out to some of my favorites in the past. Oh, of um, course. Who like, am I to not let you talk about that? Go. Um, since I love, <laughs> love so much miniseries. And like, again, like I've been watching them like my whole life. So like the 1996 Pride and Prejudice with Colin Firth, that was nominated for an Emmy back in the day and I had that on DVD and I love it and it is amazing and over the years I've there have been some that have really impressed me um one of my all-time favorites is Band of Brothers yeah well but you've seen that right no but my dad (gasps) I bought I I bought I bought the tin box for my dad I bought both that and and the Pacific 
Um, okay. They're available for so, me to watch, but I have not You yet. definitely need to watch them at some point because um, The Pacific is really good. I prefer Band of Brothers. Um, Band of Brothers is just one of the most profound stories I've ever seen told um, on television. But um, even since then, like, and like you said, they are often history lessons. And a lot of the ones I will mention are period drama. So like Band of Brothers, I really love John Adams with Paul oh. Giamatti. I completely forgot about John Adams. Yes, that's amazing. Such a good, right? And it has dear old Stanith Baratheon as Thomas Jefferson. Um, is that who is, Thomas Jefferson Yeah, Stephen Delane. Oh, oh, man. Uh, 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 oh, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, is Ben Franklin. Uh, why can't I remember his name? He was the mob boss in Batman. Uh, oh. Oh, I am blanking uh, on his name as well. Okay, talk about Ben Fra- Talk about uh, hold John on, Adams. Hold on, hold on. I'm pulling it up uh, right now. Ben Franklin, Tom Wilkinson. Tom Wilkinson. I knew it began with a Tom. That was the first movie I ever, or miniseries, I guess, you know, medium that I ever saw Tom Wilkinson is. And, and I was like, oh, he's he's really good at playing, you know, oh, that, that he's a really good actor. I didn't, you know, he's playing Ben Franklin. Then I found out he's like British and I'm like, you know, he's like this experienced British actor. And I'm like, but he was just playing Ben Franklin. And then also the the Batman mob boss in yeah. Batman Begins. Like, who is this guy? Um, I always think of him as, as those two roles. So it's always weird. Like he shows up in Ghost Protocol in as like the director who says the president has initiated Ghost Protocol, the greatest cinematic line in the history of cinema. Um, and yeah, no, Tom Wilkinson is great. That whole miniseries is so fascinating because it's like, so what well if we just too. lived in John Adams' world? Yeah, and it's just, it's so it's so well done because it's sort of not sensationalized, as it were. Um, it, it feels sort of um, grimy and political, as it really was back then. Um, and yeah, I just think that miniseries is so impressive. Um, and like I mentioned, Little Dorrit, another one of my favorites. Um, in 2011, Pillars of the Earth came out, <clears throat> and I love that miniseries. So good, little baby. That was probably my first introduction to Eddie Redmayne. <clears throat> was Pillar of the Earth oh, yeah. and a very young um, Haley Atwell. Yes. Um, that came and, out like the same year as Cap, so she had a good 2011. Yeah, and Ian McShane was also in that. It was a it was mm-hmm. a great um, miniseries that was Which, stacked. What did that did that air on like Stars or something or Showtime? Stars stars yeah yeah and then um, following that year one another one of my favorites and surprisingly not a period drama but now sort of a history lesson game change do you remember game oh, change? that was a miniseries i do remember game i ne- i haven't watched it i thought it was a movie i thought it was one of those hbo movies Mm-mm. with julianne Moore as sarah palin mm-hmm. yeah i didn't realize that was a miniseries it was a miniseries um it was oh no wait oh no it was a movie but Oh, before oh. then, limited series and TV movie were the same category. That's right. Are they no longer the case then? Is there a, so is there a is, category for for TV movies, or did they get rid of that? I forget if there is one for TV movie, but let me give you a little history lesson on the Emmys. Um, so in twenty eleven, going to be a limited a limited series. In 2011, the Emmys uh, combined limited series and TV movie due to a low number of eligible miniseries. Mm-hmm. However, in 2014, so three years later, as limited series started becoming more and more popular again, they had to once again give miniseries or limited series their own category again, because now there were so many that were eligible that they didn't need to kind of fill it out with TV movies. Gosh. So I'm actually not sure if TV movies do have its own category. I forget. They might. Um, but TV I, I movies, because they, they still make them. Yeah, I mean they're kind of like the stepchild of miniseries, though, because they're even less popular and no Right. Um. Yeah. Like there, there. I mean, a lot of the TV movies I feel like are the HBO movies that they um they show. You know, the original movies. Um, are Netflix movies considered TV movies, or is I it because they put them in an actual theater? They're real. No, they're 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 actual movies. But it's like similarly, I think HBO's The Tale with Laura Dern, I think was eligible for movie awards, not TV it, awards. Because it premiered at Sundance. Right, and it premiered at a film festival, and then it was bought by HBO. 
so yeah, so yeah. the rules are often uh, slightly complicated, um, which is why you have like something like Game Change, a TV movie, winning in the limited series category during that weird three-year period where they were combined. Um, and, and now it is all just limited series um, because they are they are becoming more and more popular. So let's get into, like you said, this year's. So you mentioned Good Omens. Now, I did. Let me tell you, the Emmy eligibility is from June 1st to May 31st. Okay? June 1st of one year to May 31st of another year. Yeah, so June 1st of last year to May 31st of this year is the eligibility for this year's Emmys. Okay. Which means Good Omens, which premiered on May 31st, and Ava DuVernay's When They See Us, which premiered on May 31st, which is the Netflix miniseries about the Central Park Five, are both eligible for this year's Emmys alongside things like last year's Sharper Objects. Wait, I thought Sharper Objects already was nominated. Nope. Oh. Because it came out last summer. Uh, oh, I knew that. I thought, I thought, I don't know. I did. I don't really so, know the Emmy category li- limits. Oh man, that's wild. So it's what, so we're going to get like older series like Sharper Objects with, which are, widely critically acclaimed but with more recent shows like good omens or like chernobyl or like when they see us and so like i just feel like this year's limited series is going to be stacked yeah and because also fx put out fossey verdon this spring and hulu put out the act with um patricia arquette right uh based on that uh buzzfeed article about the girl the gyp- uh, gypsy whose mom pretended she was ill for all that time and then the daughter murdered her um brief synopsis of hulu's the act so i just like i feel like this year is going to be so stacked with limited Mm -hmm. in the limited series category and it's just crazy to me that we have gone from kind of it all being british period dramas that no one really paid attention to to a category that has amy adams in it and Ava duvernay is probably going to be directed or nominated for directing and you know we have jared harris yeah and we michael sheen who knows could get an acting like it's such a wide-ranging category when did the terror on amc come out is that eligible for this year's no because it came out last spring i think 2018 i don't think it's a Okay, if it came out after June first of last year, it'd be eligible. I don't think it. I don't think it did. So I don't think. I, I was gonna say Jared Harris could compete against himself because he's been in a couple miniseries recently. Yeah. He was in. The, he was in the Terror, which I started watching, um, as well as Chernobyl. He plays the. He he plays, the main character in both of those. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, you never saw like, big names in limited series before, and now we have some of the biggest Hollywood stars doing limited series. And this year is going to be crazy. It's like, do people remember how great Sharper Objects was and, you know, give it a push again? Or, you know, has it been a while? So when they see us or Chernobyl is going to, you know, have more of the push to win. It's, it's become a category that's, as exciting as like the drama category really oh yeah i think i think um particularly since uh the um oj won all the all the awards for everything it was nominated for Mm -hmm. um american crime story like that really propelled i think the the limited series to a like a national level like you know like all these series are national level series but i feel like because of the because the oj story was such a gripping 90s television story and the the show itself was you know was a retelling of that and it was done super well it became you know it's sort of like you know it's like how you know the joke that serial invented the podcast yes <laughs> it's sort of like that where it's like the oj story or whatever it's called um um i think it's just called american horse american crime story oj simpson it's the um, people versus oj simpson american the people crime versus oj simpson yeah. so yeah the people versus oj simpson 
I feel like, you know, the, it, I, I don't know, I haven't heard any people make that this joke, but, like, the people versus O.J. Simpson invented the limited series. Yeah, uh, or, or you can even argue that Ryan Murphy did, because Ryan Murphy has been nominated for, in limited series, like, his show has been nominated every year since 2012. That's and crazy. Before then, it was the anthology seasons of American Horror Story. Um, and uh, People vs. O.J. Simpson was his first win, but he's been nominated every year yeah. since 2012 because that is what he deals in primarily as anthologies um, and what he's best at. I actually, I'm going to do a quick hot take and say that his win last year, The Assassination of Gianni Versace, American Crime Story, is superior to O.J. Simpson. Ooh, I haven't watched it. Um, it's it's very good. I think it is for me. O.J. Simpson is pretty much perfect, um, but Versace just goes a little bit above and beyond because it is steeped in like queer history and camp. And Ryan Murphy as a gay man, I just felt like the story he told with Versace was just a just a touch more emotional and profound and um interesting than oj simpson it's also probably because i knew less about um the guy uh andrew kanonan the guy who murdered mm -hmm. versace um and many other people because he was a serial killer uh but i do think versace is superior however they are both kind of perfect seasons of television and they both won the emmy i mean i would give the edge to the people versus oj simpson based on the fact that david schwimmer says juice about forty-eight thousand <laughs> times in yeah. people versus oj simpson you um, are not wrong about that <laughs> that's super cut of him saying juice uh yeah. so good <laughs> it's crazy people look that up it's so good yeah um so, yeah let me ask you um I think tended to have a a, uh, a discussion to end this episode. Why do you think the limited series has become ha has evolved to what it is now? This like big Hollywood starlet machine. Um, and secondly, what do you like about limited series? I was gonna ask you the same questions, Anya. Well, uh, we can both answer. I will them, answer. I will. I will answer. Just answer for us. Just. Um. So. <laughs> Okay, your first question was, why do you think the miniseries has evolved? Yeah, and like, why okay. do you think it's become something different now? I think it's becoming some something different now because I feel like, um, I feel like there's been a a a pushback to traditional twenty four season twenty four episode season television network television. I feel like you know for for like twelve years now. You know, cable television has really become the preeminent in terms of what the shows that people watch. Like nobody really, I mean, obviously, like people still watch network television, but I feel like the acclaim that a lot of television has, a lot of a lot of the acclaim goes to a lot of cable shows, a lot of like ten episode seasons of shows like Mad Men and Breaking Bad and all those that we've talked about before have obviously, you know, been getting the awards circuit, and I feel like the miniseries which has been around as you said for nigh on a century now has evolved to a point where it can it can have that acclaim by telling more cinematic stories i feel like i said that earlier in the episode where like the miniseries now isn't just the period drama or the historical narrative or based on a book you know I mean, a lot of them are still all of that, but I feel like they're more than that, or at least the the production value of them have have all exponentially gone up. I feel like they they all cost the for you know a small fortune of a small of like a, a like two movies because mm -hmm. like they're telling these big they're telling a one story, but you know like a lot of like Mildred Pierce is a movie that came out in the 30s and 40s, or I think the 40s. But it was adapted recently into a miniseries right. um, yes. with Kate Winslet as Mildred Pierce. And I think that's a, that could be, that's sort of um, one way of showing the evolution of, of the limited series where they can adapt stories to, to this weird in-between point of a movie and a television show where you sort of have more room to breathe which is why I want more book adaptations to be television or miniseries instead of a movie, because a movie you have unlimited time and you have the 
you know, you have to adapt. You have to adapt it to the movie format, which in a lot of cases can be disruptive to the narrative if not yeah. handled well. Whereas I feel like with a miniseries or even a television show, specifically with the miniseries, you have more room to tell the story you want to tell with it within within each episode. Um, I'm trying to think of a like sharp objects. Like that was a that was a book, and th- then it became a miniseries, and it became. Yeah. Like a really good, you know, it was, everyone talks about how well adapted that was, and I think that I think that uh, I think time and effort and care has been put into these more recent mini series. I think that people realize the value of of the mini series now. So there's sort the you know st- you know the creatives behind all these shows are 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 getting a little bit more you know uh, kind of like. Break, not breaking the rules, but bending them and changing them to what they what they ideally want their show to be. Where you know we're in this very changing time in terms of media and how we consume media, and I think that people realize that if they want a shorter season season of television to watch, the miniseries is where to go for that. Yes. So I think what they've does what they've decided, you know, or you know, decided is a weird word to say, but there's this evolution now of because people want shorter, shorter stories told, but they don't want to go to the movies. The miniseries is sort of that in between that sort of compromise of that. So I think that a a lot of effort is going into making, uh, particularly in American media, the miniseries with the, with all, all the anthology shows, the, um, you know, just the straight up mini HBO miniseries, like those have become so um, like a, 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 a thing in, a, in a American media because I think that there is a there is a shift in what the people want yeah. in terms and of I, like how long there's st- storytelling for each story. I completely what agree. What do you think? And I, yeah, and I want to I wanna kind of get into this about why I like miniseries because that is part of it. But I, I agree with a lot of what you said. And I think like, I think miniseries sort of becoming more popular and drawing more attention is is on the one hand, just a natural outcome of sort of this like golden age of television that we're in this like new rebirth of how television is like the it place to be in Hollywood. And I feel like limited series is just, again, a natural outcome. It allows big Hollywood stars to be in television while not committing to like five seasons of 22 episode seasons. Like it allows a Nicole Kidman or an Amy Adams to do TV while also being able to do bigger like movie projects as well. Um, and so I think that's part of why they're drawn to it and they're seeing how TV is becoming kind of the it thing right now. Um, and I think like you said, is that writers and directors, people are realizing that they can tell really interesting stories in limited series because again, they have more time than a movie, but you know, if they're not sort, if they're not interested in like network television with like the 22 episode seasons and stuff, like a limited series is that perfect place for them to explore in depth stories that they have a lot more time with, while not, you know, being a network TV director. And not to like slight that, but I'm sure there are like people who are directing things like Sharper Objects, like Jean-Marc Vallée. Like he's not a network television guy. <laughs> like no, let's just put it like you know. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's it's become sort of a natural evolution. Um, and I, I have to say I'm a fan of this. Um, one of my biggest problems with network television and like the 22 episode season orders is that oftentimes the stories of the seasons get away from the writers. They have so much time to fill and they don't know how to fill it. And so either things get too convoluted or they drop points and bring up new plot points and characters are left behind. It, it, it becomes kind of a mess. Um, and it's an interesting discussion because as someone who lives in LA and has friends who work in the industry, a lot of writers like the 20 episode seasons for job security. Oh yeah. Like I think that creatively 22 episodes is far worse than like an eight to 13 episode order you know as a viewer i think that 20 seasons are are worse um 
But I understand that like for people who work in this industry, like having that job security and having that financial security for a full 22 episodes as opposed to like eight, you know, is kind of life changing. Um, And so it's a very difficult. So that's actually a big discussion like in Hollywood right now is like if TV shows are going to have shorter episode orders and stuff like writers and everyone still need to be able to make enough money to live um and like there are the ideas of like contracts of can you hop from show to show if it's the seasons are so short um and so that's like a big discussion in hollywood right now because of this changing landscape so it's hard on the one hand i prefer limited series i prefer shorter seasons on the other hand i want writers to be able to you know live right and i think that there's there's you can like there's a lot of uh, episodic television like your laws, your laws and orders, your Chicago's Medfire and Rescue and all those ones. I think where the stories aren't really, you know, the same character, they're the same characters, but like the stories are really, really like centralized to one episode, you know, per per episode, you know, one story per episode. Whereas yeah. I think you we, you get into like we've had this issue with like the CW superhero shows by yes. by episode 19 of a 22 episode of The Flash you're asking yourself well which timeline are we in now or something you right. know like you you sort of get you know when you have a when you have serialized television it gets really difficult to tell a story over one over 22 22 hours of television like it's unless you have like uh, an amazing script for each episode and you have like the story to beat for every you know like 22 episodes is hard to do like yeah you know it's you know 20 pages or you know some so many pages of script that needs to be written and it needs to be it needs to make sense it needs to be um engaging it needs to be uh you know the actors need to still be charismatic and like the you know tw- 22 episodes that's a lot of work and I mean, great, it's great job security, but, um, you know, like you were saying, creatively, it's, you, you sort of run out of steam at some point. Um, and that's how a lot of shows like, you know, that's, you know, sometimes they don't make it past the first season because, you know, it runs out of steam or it goes, gets to a season two and they find they don't have a story to tell anymore. Yeah. Um, whereas like the benefit of a miniseries with that is that if you don't want to do a season two, you don't have to. Right. Um like, Unless that, the network like, is like, this is so successful that you must do a season two. Right, or like if it was nominated for best miniseries, and you're like, what if we, what if we did a season two? Or like, I think right. that, and and obviously like the change with the changing na- nature of television, Big Little Big Little Lies season two couldn't have been made in 2018 because they made that decision too late to do so production couldn't start till 2018 it's because i mean we've been seeing trailers for big little lies for a couple months now um and obviously you have to get the schedules of six major female actresses to you know coordinate and to you know do commit to all seven episodes you know including with the addition of meryl streep and as like the Mm -hmm. the next leading lady to star in this like big little lies is stacked like the cast is stacked. Like you, you, there's not like an unfamous person in that story, or at least the main right. characters are not unfamous. Um, and and I think that you know you, that's it's kind of uh, amazing that that a season, that a show like the Big Little Lies can exist because like uh, and just in terms of like the star power, I feel like that's it's, it's so many so much star power in one one show that the fact that they were able to do a season two is sort of almost like a miracle um with the inclusion of Meryl Streep who I don't believe has ever done television I she's had to have done television or maybe like maybe like a long time ago when she was not like Meryl Streep um Hold on. we're looking this up miss yeah miss, uh, okay miss Streep who just had her 70th birthday oh yeah happy birthday Meryl Streep along with Elizabeth happy Warren birthday. they were born on the same day yeah. Um, uh, television she has done okay so she's done considerably less television than movies but she has done quite a bit of television um her first was a voice in a television film in 1976 called everybody rides the carousel of course um 
But more importantly, um, I mean, she was in the 2003 miniseries adaptation of Angels in America, which I believe was nominated for an Emmy. Um, she was in a 1978 miniseries called Holocaust, which I also think was nominated for an Emmy. So miniseries. Um, so she's done. So she's mini-series. done a lot of miniseries. She's done a lot of TV documentaries. It looks like she has never done television, like like, like what we know of as television. Yeah, she's done, you know, TV film, TV miniseries, an episode of, like, The Simpsons. You know, she's... She <laughs> As, has like, an a episode. cameo voice, I'm guessing. Right, so she, but she's never done, you know, anything more than a miniseries. She's never committed to a, 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 a seasons-long arc on Modern Family or something like that. Where, so, yeah. like, so this is, but I feel like in terms of, like, recently i feel like this is her like biggest television i guess since angels in america probably yeah yeah so so yeah you get you get big movie stars to do tele- to do miniseries and i think that that it's a, a really fascinating look into the changing landscape i feel like many the miniseries is like the perfect battle battleground or showcase of what television is changing into um i, I mean yeah, I, I think that, you know, to I th- I feel like, here's a question. Do you think Glee would have been an anthology show if it was made today? Like, if, if, if not, because, like, you know, it could be a, every season is a different story of a Glee club. Interesting. Maybe. Because that's sort of, that's sort of what it evolved into because of the changing, you know, the the rotating door of cast members. Like, I feel like Ryan Murphy wants to tell different stories each season. And I feel like Glee could, that could, it could have been used as a vehicle for an anthology, but I don't know. That's just something I just thought of. And it's clearly Um, what he's best at. Right. And that's, that's the other, that's the other um, component to that is I think that he could have been like, this is Glee, Ohio. And then Glee, New York or something. Um, Anything else? do we want to talk about with the miniseries? I think, I know, I think we've done a pretty good job of it. Um, I really love it and I'm excited that it's becoming such a, a popular and impressive um, format of television. However, I will say I'm still also very fond of my BBC period drama adaptations and I hope those never end. Um, and, you know, even if they're not, you know, the, Emmy-nominated HBO Netflix miniseries. I still love them. Um, so long live the miniseries. Yes. All right. That is a good way to wrap up our episode. And now we're going to move on to the last segment. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Anya, what do you really like this week? You know that tweet that's like, I've been waiting for this for so long and like I'm not gonna stop talking about it for the next like five years or whatever. That like meme tweet. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. So that's me okay. with the HBO series Gentleman Jack. Okay, what's a gentleman jack? So Gentleman Jack is a new HBO television show that uh premiered a, a couple months ago, I would say. And it is about the real life figure Anne Lister, who was a queer woman in 19th century England. Um, She was a landowner and she was just generally a badass bitch um, who was a lesbian. And HBO, the series, is about her life. Um, She was an excessive diarist and so we have a lot of first-hand accounts of her life. um, And that is kind of what the TV show is drawing upon. The first season recently finished um eight episodes it got renewed for season two and i am halfway through season one i'm finally it was it's been on my radar for a while and i've known i was gonna love it i just had to kind of get around to it but i'm halfway through season one and i am obsessed there is nothing else i want to think about there's nothing else i want to talk about there's nothing else i want to consume right now i have already ordered several books on amazon about Anne lister um i am kind of in that deep throes of obsession don't be surprised if when I finish season one this week, it's my really like for next week's episode. <laughs> um, 
it it's it's so it's so feminist it's so funny it breaks the fourth wall which is really great um and we get queer ladies and we get to like see them kiss and like see them be affectionate and see them exist and love one another and this shouldn't be as profound and exciting as it is but unfortunately it is um and so i am a little bit obsessed i i can't get enough it's a period drama and it's queer women and it's british have i mentioned that i love period british dramas in this episode i don't think you well, have I, mean, I think that's a new thing <laughs> well i love it and gentleman jack is the latest and it's one of the best and I, I i feel so seen and represented and excited about it um and i i'm so excited it got renewed for season two um i already want it even though i haven't even finished season one yet and it's just the best like it just makes me so happy i'm just like giddy thinking about it um and the actress who plays yara Greyjoy in game of thrones is in it and she looks completely different it's what hair and makeup and costuming will do to an actor and make them look like a totally different person. It's wild. Um, so yeah, Gentleman Jack on HBO. It's all I want to talk about forever. <laughs> Yay. All right, Willby, what are you really liking? Um, so I'm having an anime phase at 26 years yeah. old. Um, recently, as in Friday, Netflix, uh, I wouldn't say dropped because they didn't create it, um, but they they got the rights to Neon Genesis Evangelion, and I. Hmm? We're gonna we're gonna talk about Evangelion. I, I mean, I'm just gonna say I, I like it so far. I'm about halfway through. Um, I've been uh, watching it since like kind of periodically over since Friday, but um, haven't been able to finish it. I know it gets real buck wild after the episode that I'm about to watch. So I'm excited and nervous and uh, and all that. Um, it's for those of you who don't know, it's a seminal anime that from from the mid '90s that a lot of people have taken inspiration from, um, specifically and most I feel like most popularly Pacific Rim. Uh, it's a basically uh, giant robots fighting giant monsters um and it's uh it's centered around like kids who have to pilot these giant robots and it's also incredibly angsty um and it's it's good uh i'm i'm cautiously excited and nervous to see where it goes because i've heard it goes batshit wild um and yeah i i it, it there's a, there's a lot to say about the show and i'll just say it's good. It's good so far. I've heard that apparently the dub, the new the new dub and the new subtitles are like not what the original subtitles and dub were. So like I've seen I, a lot of I have not, about that on Twitter. But the thing is, I have never watched the original series, so I don't have anything to compare it to. And recent guest and girlfriend of the pod, Philippa, said to disregard that and just watch it on your own, you know, like how you want to watch it. And then if you want to go back and find the original dub, you can do that somehow. And she, she gave some good advice about, you know, sort of like, you know, go into it with your own expectations instead of what everyone else has been saying and make a judgment for yourself. And I was like, oh, cool, I'll do that. Um, so that's what I've been doing. Um, and the theme song, by the way, is the boppiest bop to ever bop. Oh, oh my God. It's going to play. So good. My girlfriend has already said it's playing at our wedding reception. Like, Amazing. It, it's incredible. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. So Neon Genesis Evangelion is what I've been really liking this week. I, Godspeed. <laughs> um, I, I have seen all of Ava, um, as well as the movies. Um, and I, I, I'm genuinely unsure if I can do a rewatch. Like, it, it, it messed me up that bad. Um, I felt so wrecked and disturbed and moved after watching all of it. Um, and I, I, when I heard it was going back to Netflix, I was like, all right, I'm going to do a rewatch. It's going to be great. And now I've like, people have been tweeting about it and posting screen caps. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> That's like, wild because from what I've seen, it's been your, like, your, like a, like a normal angst, uh, you know, like a normal, like, kind of you know wild wild you know like but like 
the fact that people are saying that, you know, like, I'm waiting to get to that moment where, like, everything, like, becomes, like, whatever, you know, what it's renowned for. Because right now, it's sort of, like, a really well-animated, you know, story about, you know, fighting monsters. So I'm really nervously excited to see where it goes. Um, I don't really know anything about what happens, but yeah. I've just been told, like, after episode 16, it's all, like, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good luck. Thank you. Thank you. I am very eager to hear your thoughts as you keep watching and uh, eventually finish it. It's yeah, yeah. your reaction, your reaction to, you know, what you just said, where Harry, like you, you, it may not, it may never be a show that you rewatch again is the same reaction I had to Requiem for a Dream. So, I mean, there are some things in life that, like, you you watch once, and for whatever reason, you're just like, all right, I've seen it, and it, it had an impact on me, but, like, you're not sure if you can ever watch it again, and that's okay. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Cool. Um, okay. So, that is our episode for the week, ending on a light note. Um, yeah. If you guys have any thoughts about miniseries, either old or new or what might be nominated for Emmys this year, come chat with us as well as if you are watching Evangelion for the first time or the upteenth time, or if you've seen Gentleman Jack, come talk with us. We want to chat about all the things we love. Um, and where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. Um, you can rate, review, subscribe, and listen to us, if you're not already doing that for some reason, on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.